the expression from the music inspired me so much to take risks and it inspired damn near the whole rap game. Hello again, I'm Adam Unz. You may know me as the host of The Opus, and now I'm bringing my own show, The Spark Parade, to the Consequence Podcast Network. I speak with artists and creatives about the cultural artifacts that spark their personal interest and creativity, whether it's music, books, movies, video games, or any other kind of art. I've never spoke about it in this amount of detail. I'm suddenly going, oh my God, I'm blowing my own mind here, Christ. It's, it's actually a giant part of my life. By talking about the things we love, we share and discover insights into our personality and the things that drive us. It's just magic, really. I mean, frustrating and it makes some people angry, but I don't think anyone's ever done anything like it. I speak with people like Connor Robers, Phoenix's Thomas Mars, Chris Gethard, Helen Hong, Adrian Young, and more, so their sparks of inspiration can start a fire in you. I'm grateful for those who continue to put our history and who we are as a people in the forefront and make you see it. Find the Spark Parade wherever you get your podcasts. Hey pod people, Engineer Adam here, jumping in for a quick second to let you know about the brand new all-in-one platform for all of you creative podcasters out there. Anchor makes it easier than ever to make a podcast. It's free to use and has all the creation tools you need to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Plus, Anchor will get your podcast set up on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever podcasts are found. Even better, Anchor helps you connect with sponsors, even if you're just starting out. It's the perfect choice for podcasters, so make sure to check it out. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. Back to the show. The kids on Elm Street don't know it yet, but something is coming to get them. There's something out there, isn't there? Halloween's a Freddy Krueger podcast. Was locked in a room with a girl who went in alive and came out in a rubber bag. From the Consequence Podcast Network. The Minds Behind the Losers Club comes a new podcast in fantasy terror. Nancy, there's something wrong with you. You're imagining things. Halloweenies, a Freddy Krueger podcast. Consequence Podcast Network. beautiful pod people out there. I'm your host, Leo Phillips, and you have just tuned into our wonderful show called This Must Be The Gig. If this is your first time listening, let me give you a little bit of a of an explainer. It's basically a show that becomes your little backstage pass to the world of live music and performance. So every single week I bring you fascinating conversations from the beating heart of the live music and performance scene. And that could really mean chatting to musicians, festival founders, choreographers, comedians, actors, really anyone obsessed with performance in the way that we are. But before we dig into this week's fantastic interview, I want to check in with our constant companion here at TMBTG Studios, Engineer Adam. Hello! Hey! I committed to that. I know, you always do. How are you? I'm doing well. I spent this afternoon just reviewing podcasts all day. (laughs) You did? I did, yeah. (laughs) I, Why? You know, I was thinking, I've reviewed a handful of podcasts that in my day. That is true. But, 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 but every week I sit here and I ask people to review our podcast. Oh, that is true. And I got to uphold my end of the bargain. So Listen, I just, I went on a spree. You don't have 
to be an upstanding citizen. I do. In all respects. I do. What are you, a Yelper as well? No, <laughs> but I'm not opening the... a restaurant that I'm asking people to review. <laughs> You've opened up the floodgates <laughs> to start reviewing all kinds of shit. But now, now that I've reviewed all of my favorite podcasts, I demand <laughs> that every listener here... Wait, can I just ask you? Yes. I think my, my most annoying part of reviewing yes. is having to come up with a subject line in order to sum up my, ro- my raving review. Yes. That, for me, stresses me out. It's like when Twitter wasn't... Uh, 200 million thousand characters which it feels like it is today you know okay well i've just come up with a great idea do you want to hear it uh, sure that we're going to help all of our listeners so that they don't have to go through that dilemma ah. they all have to now legally for the subject line of their <laughs> review they have to write the most supreme podcast out there ever in history what about this ain't googleable seo how about <laughs> SEO, no, you didn't. SEO, no. Oh, no. These are not good. <laughs> Every listener out there right now has so to. Serious. I'm serious about this. You have to leave us a review. I also think it's also important to explain to everybody how your passion isn't very verbal. Yes. Like when you It's just been, physical. It's just I'm here physical. in the studio just fuming. You could see the blood boiling. It's just you have to listen and review. No, but I'm saying that you you are you're sounding very into this idea. <laughs> you're yes. very committed. I am. Yes. Okay. So every single listener has to leave us a five-star review. This is the way to really make sure that the podcast continues and you keep getting great episodes like this one and also you could get your name shouted out on the podcast if you leave us a five-star review that's pretty cool oh gosh you're looking at me yeah that's cool (laughs) so if you want to leave a five-star review on apple Podcasts, spotify stitcher wherever you listen to podcasts we're available and you can write us a review this week's shout out goes to rory oh rory who had this wonderful note. Do you think it's Rory from the Gilmore Girls? It is probably Rory from oh the Gilmore God. Girls. I think she would be a big fan. It fits in. Uncle off. <laughs> this is such an awesome podcast. Lior is so delightful. I also love her Aww. accent, and she really knows her stuff. My accent? Yeah, that's what it says. I got it from my mama. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks for the wonderful words of support, Rory. You had a genuine laugh there. Oh, yeah. I haven't done that in a while. That's really sweet. Thanks, Rory. From the Gilmore Girls. From the Gilmore Girls. Why were you so annoying? But let's uh, let's not delay. Let's get into our chat this week and tell you a little bit about who it is and who it is from and where it is going. Stefan and Zach are half of the frenetic Canadian punk act Pup, a band that has developed a seriously huge cult following over the scope of their three albums and considering that they once released a hot jumping jam called if this tour doesn't kill you i will it should come as no surprise that my little conversation with stefan and zach quickly latches into a discussion of mental health while on the road we key into the toronto outfits most recent and perhaps strongest record morbid stuff and what it's like to bring these songs to new crowds on their latest tour. What else do we chat about? The hours of practice? Yes, and 
the encouragement that they got to keep being musicians. Mm-hmm. And how bands like Thursday and the Flatliners convinced them to start their own band. And we also chatted about quitting day jobs, which I think we haven't really entered much into during the course of the year. But it makes a lot of sense for it a makes punk a lot band of sense. like Pup. Yeah. And uh, the incremental success of underdog punk life. I think that's that was our big takeaway. This is me and Stefan and Zach. Enjoy! This is Stefan from Pop. Hi, Stefan. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm having one of those uh, one of those days where you like drink water and it goes all over you. You like step on a sidewalk, <laughs> trip. You know, <laughs> one of those glorious oh, days. <laughs> I'm sorry to hear that. I mean, you know, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> um, I have. Uh, I think. I think this is going to work. I just have to try to see if I can merge Zach into this call. One sec, okay? Okay, brilliant. Thank you. Zach? Yeah. Oh, is it working? Is everybody here? (laughs) I think think it's working. It sounds worky. (laughs) Sounds a little worky. I was just explaining to Stefan that uh, I'm I'm having a day. You know, a day. Just when you have a day. Yeah. Um, Everyone has them. <laughs> I feel like I have them more often, so I should just not comment on it and be surprised. <laughs> you know, like when yeah, I put maybe. salt in my tea versus sugar, I should just be chill. You know, be like, yeah, this is this is my life now. This is yeah. Maybe this is just normal life. Maybe that's just <laughs> I mean, it's, it's about perspective. Like that's uh, <laughs> salt in your tea. That's a uh, savory. It's a savory tea. Thank really. you. <laughs> Thank you. Think about I, it. I definitely, my body system needed more salt, not sugar, salt. <laughs> so yeah. it was just the, the universe. The universe was meddling in my tea. Um, yep. But I, I also feel like it's a very funny thing when those things happen because I can't like shift my brain. I suppose this kind of weirdly relates to performing as well like if you are having one of those shitty days how do you get out of that how do you does the stage suddenly just the sight of the stage stop that day from happening or does it extend onto that stage i know this is much more philosophical than you thought would happen but yeah i mean i i definitely (laughs) slip deeper into it i don't yeah there's no avoiding it it's just uh you know embrace embrace the horribleness yeah, <laughs> uh, I think uh, uh, I think Zach and I have pretty different answers. I can on this. hear. Yeah, I'm, what's your answer? I'm much, I'm much more able to car- compartmentalize. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, <laughs> sometimes I look over and see Zach deep in the hole, and I'm like, oh boy, he's not having a good time today. Yeah. Yeah. Oh boy, like H O O boy. You know, it's difficult. It's yeah. hard. Sometimes I feel like I am both of you in times. I feel like I am a combination of you two. And then sometimes I feel like I'm very comfortable in the whole, and sometimes I'm able to have perspective. But I suppose when you also you have this like glaring, you know, opportunity that you have to please your fans. 
you have to get on stage, you have to be this performer. Does that ever enter into either of your psyches? Do you, How much perspective do you have or do you prefer not to think about what you're actually doing? It can be really tough for me at the beginning of shows mm. um, because, you know, like I would probably consider myself a bit of an introvert and, right. you know, we, uh, uh, Zach and I can often be in uh, bad, sad, angry, whatever moods. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then you go on stage and you kind of, it's kind of the situation where you got to like find a way to turn it on no matter what. Mm. Um, maybe especially for me, because I also have to talk to the crowd. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah you can't which, just which, not say anything. Yeah. Yes. yeah. So it could definitely be... Um, challenging but i think i'm lucky in the sense that if anything if i'm having a bad time or or whatever Mm -hmm. usually only lasts for a couple songs um and then you know the for the most part the people who come to see our band are um just so energetic and fun loving that it 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 kind of pulls me out of it but i don't think it really works the same for zach probably Mm -hmm. I've definitely been through many different approaches. Um, I get I get lost in in just like introspection that shows, which is like the wrong thing. So I've I've been trying to like just relax a little. Why is which it the surprisingly thing? is? Um, it's like if you're, it's essentially just like thinking too much in a, okay, in a process right. where you're supposed to be very present. Like okay. You, you should be allowing things to kind of roll over you as opposed to getting involved in every single storyline that you're sure. like in my case, in yeah. my case, my depressed brain will come up with. Um, so it's like, it's yeah. like finding that, that balance kind of is, it's been hard, but I, I think I'm getting closer and closer. It's all like, uh, every day is a, a process, but I of like, yes, yeah, as, as a, as the drummer, I, don't have to be as engaged with the audience so i'm i have the luxury of having time to figure that out so. right well you don't you have to be engaged but in a different way because the fo- you yeah. mean in yeah. terms of like not having the focus entirely on you all the time yeah yeah well i mean it's i mean as so like in a band that is three guitar instruments yes um drums and a voice the voice like the lead vocals and the drums are the most prominent, mm-hmm. especially when they fuck up. Yes, um, absolutely. So, like, because it's the most; those are the most unique parts of the band, as as far as sonic uh, components are concerned. So it's like that. That has always been at the front of my mind. It's like a guitar player can. I mean, this is distorted thinking, but a guitar player can, like, screw up and it won't be as big a deal if I blow, a, <laughs> right. like, a drum fill or something. Yes. So it's like that that kind of thing. You know, as somebody who plays guitar in this band, he's <laughs> absolutely right. I'm almost constantly, <laughs> oh. like, I'm as like I'm almost constantly shitting the bed on guitar, yeah. like, <laughs> fucking it up. And it's like, if Zach... If Zach screwed up on drums as much as I did on guitar, like, the songs would just be a complete mess we wouldn't get anywhere yeah <laughs> when i screw up on stage i get one or two of the guys looking at me after <laughs> i screw up yeah. and then in, in the in the moment i'm like what the 
Like, I'm like, you can sway on this show. Super judgmental. I'm like, what are they? Like, I'm trying my hardest. How dare they look yeah. at me? And then <laughs> okay. afterwards, I'm like, oh yeah, that makes it makes sense that I screwed up. That's <laughs> I mean, sometimes I look, sometimes I look back and I, and it's because I find it funny. Yeah. Yes, because you and know how much it means to me. I mean, depending on the mood, I find it funny or I find it to be the worst moment of my life, no matter how small, no matter how small or big the thing is. It's, Look, yeah, I again, mean, all this, this sort yeah, of thing. And you care as well. And I think that that's such a beautiful distinction to make between what each person's role is. Because so often yeah. as a fan, you're standing on the other side and you think, wow, this sounds good. But you don't realize the elements, especially if you don't know theoretically how it all comes together you're not thinking wow that fucking drama just fucked up you're thinking oh they're all fucked up you know and i think yeah. that in in well, unless you obviously your ears tuned or you are a drummer yourself but i love that you've made the distinction that most of your songs and the core of the makeup of the band is definitely reliant on that rhythm section which is is really quite daunting but also a great, like, it's an amazing responsibility to have, I think, to also be able to carry, you know, to carry a band. Yeah. I think there's, there's yeah, also... Yeah, I mean, it's like... Yeah. It's, it's like being a representative of, of a company and then you... Sure. Um, <laughs> you, you go up on stage and you're delivering an address to, like, a some kind of conference and you accidentally say a distasteful joke and you've just ruined the image of the entire company. <laughs> right. Uh, I think that's, sometimes that's what it feels like a screw up is, but that's like such a, a far gone and distorted idea of what it is. It's really never that important, but it does yeah. come down like you're kind of what you're hitting on. Like, yeah, it does come down to like the four of us really essentially giving a shit about what we're doing. Exactly. So, and caring yeah. enough to know that that funny look might be like, dude, you fucking ruined this. Or, you know, because I think <laughs> flippancy is so I, weird. <laughs> you know, I, doubt, I doubt any of the band members would that would intend that. I'm joking. So yes. much as I would assume that, they would not. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. But I also think that flippancy in music or art or having, you know, being flippant toward that responsibility of even just being able to play is such a strange feeling. And I speak to so many people and it's so different. Everybody has a different experience, of course, but to actually get up there and, and really connect. And the fact that I think also putting your idea into, okay, I'm going to work at this. I'm going to do a very good job today and being too caught up in your own self is sometimes actually not such a bad thing because you have a responsibility as a band who's so beloved, especially after, you know, your album's been out for like a month and people are, it's so beloved already. There's something about complacency and artistry that doesn't sit right with me. I don't know if you agree or if this is like... I think there's a place for having like a very present and relaxed attitude towards creating mm. anything. Um and that doesn't necessarily mean flippancy uh, or complacency, but it can very easily lapse into that if you're not, like, dedicated to the craft of creating. Yeah, I mean, it feels like you have to pick and choose your battles. Because right. if you <laughs> care so, so much about absolutely everything, you're going to have a meltdown. It's not going to work, yeah. you know? And it's, mm -hmm. like, really about prioritizing the things that are really important to care about and not 
wedding, the small stuff. I, I feel like that finding that balance is the most important thing to being good at what you do. And by right. what you do, I mean what we do. <laughs> right. Yes. Did you learn that over time? How? Because everybody just expects people to pick things up very naturally. Um, and obviously, if you're working with a, a people that you really respect, which you it seems from the sound of your music, it's, it seems that way. So how much of it is, is learned over time? Like, when was the moment where it shifted and you're just like, fuck, I need to just focus on what I need to focus on, not get, you know, not to get too caught up? I mean, I think it's a constant sort of learning experience. Like, right. I don't know that that I've totally or we've totally figured it out, but we're better at it than we used to be. I mean, we're, we're really lucky because the way that this band has kind of grown has been really organically and uh, I don't want to say slowly, but it just definitely has not been, you know, uh, meteoric. You know, we've this band's been touring nonstop for about six years, and we see, um, you know, the air air quote here, the success that we're having is mm. pretty incremental. So it's good because at the beginning, the stakes were so low. <laughs> we could just care about everything and fuck things up. And, mm. and it wouldn't really matter, even though at the time it felt like it was the biggest thing in the world. It just it doesn't it, it didn't matter as much as maybe we thought it might. And so we've had kind of six years to sort of um, figure out what is important to us and what we should let go and. Um, um, stuff like that. So we're, I feel like we're getting better at it. Like every day is, uh, every tour is a bit better at letting go of certain things, whether it be like screwing up a little part live or the way we interact with each other, mm. taking things too personally or whatever. We get, we just have gotten better at kind of figuring, figuring out um, our, you know, choosing our battles. What did it look like then? What did your first performance look like? all those years ago because you know t saying that you're touring consistently for six years that's no that's no small thing to laugh at it, it is an intense and rigorous uh experience to do that for for six years straight we've we've always sucked and we just suck a little <laughs> bit less now oh come yeah. on no do you, do you really feel like it, the first one was bad well, where was the first show? Oh, yeah. I think it was bad. Um, <laughs> what was the... Of course I mean, you we... Don't <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm a fatalist. But uh, yeah. the, what was it? It was like some like bar that doesn't exist now. It was like it was more like a let's try to see what we're like live kind of show. Okay. And it was like some bar that doesn't exist anymore in Toronto. I just remember it being like just weird and... It was fun because it's like this, it's this new thing that has its own energy, but it was also like, I can hear how bad we are at playing our songs. So it's like, that was a, that was a thing. Wait, I just looked it up. It says that, I don't know if this is right. It says on the authoritative Wikipedia, um, which I don't know if it's right or not, but it says that the first show was at a place called the Bovine Sex Club. Is that right? Yeah, that was that was the that was the first show that we performed under our our first band's name, Topanga. Oh, um, Zach, right. I think Zach was talking about uh, even before that. Yes, much, yeah. maybe even before we had a band name, we played in a bar in front of nobody just to see how awful it would be oh my god that's <laughs> yeah. that is so wonderful tell me everything about it do you remember it at all do you remember how many people were there 
were there that night or was it just like normal local bar folk sitting at a bar? Well, that bovine show, which was like, I think we consider that our first real show. Like that was the first time we really like, we're like, we're a band. We're going to tell our friends. Right. And okay. You know, that show, it was pretty incredible. Like I think bovine's a pretty small bar, but it was, we, it was our first show and we sold it out. We put out an EP for free. I mean, like a few weeks before mm-hmm. and just amongst like our friends and stuff that had kind of people were digging it. Um, and it was pretty crazy for our first show to be like packed out like that. But also, you know, the other thing is like, that wasn't our, the first time any of us had played live music. I mean, mm-hmm. we'd all been in bands before that. I mean, we've been playing in bands for some of us as long as, you know, 16 years at this point so not our first rodeo yeah (laughs) kid but so did you did you did you both know uh, this might sound strange but did you both know that you were going to be musicians was that something when you were younger you know that you that, that was part of your formative years did you did you always have that idea that music was going to be something so so huge in your lives. No, I mean it's a, it's probably a cop out, but I I feel like at the time when I started, I started playing music. It was I just kept doing it because I was somewhat all right at it right. and I enjoyed doing it. <laughs> yes. And that and I just kept doing it because there were the small incremental rewards that came with practice and being in a band and stuff. So like I didn't it didn't like crystallize until I think we like. For me, actually, until we like all quit our jobs, right? Like, I, I always yeah. expected to like do it as a as a side kind of thing, and just like have fun. And I I, I also expected to work really hard and get very little return. But <laughs> that, that was always just like the reality of it, and the rewards were good enough that I I would keep doing it. And then it just happened that I found a bunch of people that cared about it as much as me, so we kind of made a go for it when did you first start playing drums was that the first instrument that you started playing i started on piano when i was much younger and i that was a very (laughs) tumultuous experience Um, (laughs) why i'm undisciplined kids doesn't want to practice parents paying for lessons they're like what the hell are you doing why (laughs) don't you appreciate this like i'm trying to enrich your life with music and you're just being petulant um, and then, yeah, I, I started playing drums after I, in high school, after I f- figured out that I don't want to hurt myself skateboarding, so I need to find right. a different hobby. <laughs> it's so, so weird because piano yeah. is strangely very similar, not the tonal, of course, uh, aspects of piano, but yeah. the piano is a bass and a melody you know, there, there's a lot about a piano that stands for uh, similarities, you know, to to the drum yeah. set as well. Well, it sits in the, in the percussive and melodic sure. world. Sure. So. so maybe your parents, you know, they were like, fuck, what did we do? And then look, you're a drummer. Yeah. They, maybe yeah. they helped. They helped. Well, they, they definitely helped. They, I mean, my parents above, I mean, it's fatuous to say, but my parents above everybody have been the like the a lot of the driving force and support of me playing music. That's amazing. So it's like yeah, I can no. It, it's in no small way that 
I owe to them that I play music. I mean, that's wonderful to say. People so often forget yeah. where they started. You know, it, it doesn't matter whether you're in the first year of making music or art or poetry, whatever a medium you choose. I think acknowledging yeah. acknowledging that support, which again is what a band, you know, I loved what you said about finding people that were, that cared about it just as much as you did. Because when you are in a yeah. band or in a family and having that support nurtured at a really young age, I definitely feel like that extends to when you're older, you know, whether or not yeah, it's, it you know, and skateboarding, you know, th th that again is, it's, it's, it's the same notion of, of putting discipline toward one, one thing and, and getting yeah. very focused, which I think is something, you know, that's hard to find. I mean, I can't, I can't take it for granted because drums are possibly the most annoying instrument to hear <laughs> someone learning. Constantly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, and I would come home every day after school and play for at least three hours. And oh my, God. my parents did not ever stop me. So <laughs> it's like, amazing. I have to, yeah, I have to like, I can't be, I can't take it for granted. You know that secretly whilst you were at school, your parents were playing the drums though you know that that's what was ha happening you know that they, i mean they imagining selfish <laughs> imagining my dad playing the drums is, is it pretty great? awesome my dad's a drummer <laughs> yeah. and it's the coolest thing because when i learned i learned because he played it so when i learned i was yeah. like i was i'm terrible but when i learned i was like oh i can be like dad and my dad was just like get off the drum kit you are terrible and he would play the whole day. What? Yeah. No, he's a nice wow. man. No, he's a great man. Um, but you know, sometimes you got to quit while you're I don't ahead. Know. <laughs> but so, and and um, and Stefan, for you, how was that when you were growing up? Was it also kind of surrounding your life, or was it not as prevalent as as it is now? Started in a we in the same kind of way as Zach. Like I took piano lessons when I was a kid and uh, mm. didn't didn't love it um i, I didn't really th i i always like really loved music but didn't really think about playing it until i was a teenager um and i think that's because i hadn't really been exposed to music that seemed like a normal organic you know a thing that that i could actually do and write you mm -hmm. know when you listen when you're a kid and you're listening to all these like polished radio pop or like you know that crazy you know whatever um it just doesn't seem even if you love it it just doesn't seem like a real attainable mm -hmm. thing mm -hmm. and i think when i was like about 14 um i got exposed all at once to, to a bunch of bands all at once that were like a little bit more um, lo-fi and organic and uh, just, you know, writing great songs but not performing them well kind of thing. Um, and it made me kind of realize like, oh, like normal normal people can Yeah, there's a humanism. And it can yeah. be good. Mm, mm. There's a yeah. humanism behind it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So as soon as I heard that, like those, you know, as soon as I went through that phase, I was just like, I became quite obsessed with um, learning guitar and um, writing, starting to write my own songs and 
um, stuff like that. So I would say from the time I was 14 or so, I was like pretty uh, obsessed with that kind of stuff. But um, like like Zach, I, I, I never really expected, I never thought I could make a, you know, a real career or a job out of, out of it. It was kind of just something that I wanted to do all the time and just kind of see where it led. And like, you know, I, I feel like I'm reiterating a lot of what Zach said, but I feel like in a lot of ways our experiences were so similar. I mean, I played, I played in a bunch of bands before this one with people who just, um, you know, good people that just were not on the same page as me or didn't care as much. And, mm. um, when we started this band, um, it was the first time I met Zach and first time I met Steve and I knew I knew Nestor for a while before we started but but when the four of us got into a room together and I realized that all four of us kind of had the same work ethic and um, same love for music and and wanted the same kind of thing out of being in a band it, it, something different clicked in my brain where it just mm. kind of felt like this is um this this could be a, a real thing if we work hard enough yeah but did you feel though that you know you mentioned listening to all that shiny radio overproduced music um it didn't really allow you to to see what was really out there so when what was the first concert then that you saw the first concerts that i saw were probably pretty embarrassing i mean hit me <laughs> Go for it. Uh, <laughs> Do not lie. I will find out. <laughs> the first concert I ever went to, uh, this was before I thought music was good. Okay. okay. Was, um, gold, okay. was Goldfinger. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then uh -oh. after that, uh, I went to see the Deftones with Thrice and Thursday. Ooh. That's uh, sick. Which is actually pretty crazy because uh, that was before I started playing music. Mm. And, uh, we and now we've played with two of them. Yeah, we've played with Thrice and Thursday. We've toured That's with Thursday. Insane. It's like really kind of uh, funny and kind of cool. And like serendipitous. Uh, yeah. yeah. Awesome. Wow. And I remember, like, it was, again, and this was before I really started uh, caring about playing music when I saw that show. But, like, I remember watching, you know, I think Thursday was the first of three bands, like, the opener on that bill. And I was like, these guys are so <laughs> famous. Like, they must be millionaires. And, like, wow. And it's so funny to, like, look back on, like, <laughs> my wide-eyed self staring up at these guys. And then now we know them and they're friends with them and they're yeah. fucking goofballs. So <laughs> I mean, it's how people look at you probably, you know, younger, younger, younger people, they probably look up to you in the same way. That's the beauty of, of it, right? Having that platform. It's, it's yeah. Well, yeah. I, 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 that's, it's wonderful. And that's it's very flattering, but I also know that, most of those kids will grow up to be like, oh, they're just dumb people. <laughs> <laughs> dumb people playing in a dumb rock band. Right, so, right. Uh, 
So, but, yeah, so that I was mean, the first. Yeah. So, what did you when you when you saw that? How old were you? Were you also was it around the same age, like fourteen, fifteen? Yeah, maybe a bit younger, like thirteen or fourteen. Um, okay. And um, shortly after, like I, I, I was just introduced to all these all these bands that just sounded like real bands to me. Mm, mm, mm. And also like punk and and hardcore, such visceral genres you know the kind of music that you really get brought into fully when you experience it live i find you know there's this there's such a there's such a line that can be drawn when you know you actually you can feel it in your in your gut it's like vibrating you know yeah and zach what was the first show you've been given time now to actually think of your first show so i hope you have not changed your answer (laughs) <laughs> no, I mean it actually came right to mind when when you asked, but it was um it wasn't my I think my first show was uh <clears throat> seeing Bad Religion in Hamilton. Okay. Which is a, a city outside of Toronto and that's like they were one of my favorite bands through high school. But the one that um that really struck me was I saw the band Protest the Hero and um and opening for them, the Flatliners, who are, are friends of ours now, um, in a, this tiny club in Toronto. And when the Flatliners went on, I was like, how can music be this heavy? Like, how can it be <laughs> mm. this crazy? And I was just, like, blown away by them. Um, and then Protest the Hero are just, at that time, they just put out a, an EP, and they were just, like, this crazy technical band. And I'm like, this, like, music can be, like, catchy, and cool and also just like completely insane and that was like that definitely left like a a really huge mark Mm -hmm. um and then we got to play with the flatliners and we're friends with them and that's pretty awesome like they're they're like the best dudes it's amazing how both of your experiences weirdly involve bands that you saw and then landed up playing with as well which i think is yeah. A really a strange full circle uh, anomaly that doesn't necessarily happen to everyone. Yeah. yeah, we've been we've been so lucky that that's happened a bunch for us. Like the first song that we ever covered as a band uh, was the Hives, and two years later we were opening for the Hives. <laughs> that's crazy. That's, that's, so maybe yeah, it's it's say. like you're putting a hex. So like, but a good one, like a nice, <laughs> nice spell. So anything you cover, yeah. you'll end up touring with them. <laughs> but well, I mean, that's that's, that's also funny because we we covered a gob song and then like we became friends with that's like nice. with with Tom and like that's gob is just a huge pop punk band in Canada only. Yeah. So okay, when we were growing but, up. so don't like came <laughs> yeah. But he, like, yeah, we covered their song, and then he came to, like, he was at a show in Budapest, and it's like, is this actually happening? Like, yeah. <laughs> it was, yeah, it's pretty insane. So tell me then a little bit about then starting off touring. How much of your tour in the beginning was just uh, Canada and North America? Did you did you manage to to shift around the world? Like, how much of the world have you seen so far? Or at least just in the beginning, how much were you exposed to it? When we started touring right away, we were doing North America and the UK kind of right off the bat. Mm. Um, And then the rest of Europe and Australia came a bit later, like kind of, you know, after 
we've been touring that first record for a little bit. Um, but yeah, right kind of from the get-go, we were kind of uh, of the mindset that um, we should try and make make this work in as many places as possible because mm-hmm. we've just there's so many Canadian bands that um, kind of get stuck in this Canadian trap. I know. I know. <laughs> where it's like really, really hard to like go to America because the visas are so expensive and they say, oh, well, we'll just play Canada until we can afford visas. And then by the time they get to that level, they're just like so comfortable in Canada and they can never break through anywhere else. So. Yeah, it's very isolated. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we've always, you know, trying to grow at the same level uh, kind of all over the world. And it's worked worked pretty well. Like, we're we're kind of, you know, in terms of Canada and America, UK, Europe, Australia, we're kind of roughly at the same level in all of those places. So it's pretty cool. I suppose what I'm wondering is how much of those audiences have informed the way that you carried on performing because uh, you know I don't I don't I can't say that band staying in one place is is necessarily bad you know sometimes as you said you mentioned visas are expensive the carbon footprint of touring bands is atrocious I don't even want to get into it Um, but you know so there's, there's not such a bad thing about it but there's something really magical about how it informs how you write, how you perform, because you're exposing yourselves not only to new cultures, but you're also in movement, you're in motion, which is a different thing as a band member from as opposed to being in your familiar town, seeing the same faces, you know? So how much did that affect uh, your your approach, both of you, I suppose, to to how you played your instruments, how you wrote music? How, how much did that shift it? I don't know. Like, I don't know if it had an uh, overt effect. Mm. Like, I, 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 like, there's not much that, that on the outside affects our songwriting. Um, okay. But it is, like, I mean, it is, like, very fortunate that we get to visit all these places, obviously. Like, um, I guess we, in that way, we try to bring our gratitude to the writing process and just, like, do our best to be the best band we could possibly be so we can continue doing these things that's like one of the bigger parts of it right um i yeah i don't i can't say that we've really had any outside effects in that way i guess on a practical level um by doing it that way it sort of forced us to quit our jobs right away right (laughs) Right. yes Uh, if we had just been like you know it's it's really easy to play in a in a band and start to get opportunities and only say yes to the ones that you can do as a weekend warrior, mm-hmm. you know, and um, and that's fine. But if you really want to do it for real, you have to take the plunge, you know. Um, what were you so, both doing before you before you quit? Uh, I worked at a brewery. Okay. Um, and I. I mean, I've had like a million odd jobs, but like I, <laughs> yeah. when I told my boss, I'm like, I'm quitting to go on tour. He was like flabbergasted. It was like, I, it was like, if I told my parents I wanted to be a puppeteer, it's like, that's kind of the reaction I got. <laughs> like they, um, and he, but he was like supporting, he's like, all right, I, I get it. And like, I support you, son. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> but uh, yeah, like yeah, I worked at a brewery. That was and that was an awesome job. But and I, like my other dream job. But uh, obviously, music kind of took precedence. Yeah. Yeah, I was working at a record label in Canada. So okay. Which was also um, a pretty, <clears throat> a pretty cool job that I, um, I liked it. Um, but it was a really easy decision to quit. <laughs> right. Yes. Especially when you've got this opportunity that you know it doesn't come around, it doesn't come knocking. You know, it's definitely yeah. it's definitely hard to say no. But so then when you when you continued to tour and stuff, I love the title of your. I think it was your 2016, I must just check my, my notes, but your 2016 tour, which was also a song title of If This Tour Doesn't Kill You, I Will. I really like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> tell me a bit about what it's like in the on tour with everybody. I don't, I'm not necessarily, I definitely am not curious about uh, what is van life like, um, but more so... I think how much, you know, shifting can happen when you are constantly with the same people um, and then in different places that aren't your own. How do you really dissolve that uh, almost tension when it comes up? How do you make sure that you are f kind of feeding your healthier selves as well, you know, keeping keeping okay and being being okay? I mean, we're not that virtuous. So it definitely comes out in a in unhealthy ways sometimes, but I think we're all pretty conscientious and aware of each other's. I mean, we have to be aware of each other's day to day because we're always around each other. Mm -hmm. So there's that level of like giving leeway, um, in spite of the close quarters or how annoyed you might be because you didn't sleep enough or like mm -hmm. whatever else. But yeah, like a lot of it is just like kind of practicing your own self-care and taking a step back and when you need to and like yeah being able to like um separate yourself is like a big thing you mean physically or emotionally from the situation i mean i i have a hard time i take i tend to take things personally a lot yes so it's like emotionally for me that's very difficult but like yeah. uh, but like uh physically it definitely helps like going for a walk or something or like I, I do like a lot of, uh, or I try to do mindfulness and like meditation mm. type exercises just to like keep a balance and focus. And that helps a lot. But like, I, I think the biggest thing is just like having a bunch of people in your touring party that understand and like they're going through the same thing. So we're all like constantly trying as hard as it is trying to give each other leeway uh, and like if we're going hard on each other, trying to recognize that and take a step back. Mm. Um, and yeah, yeah. I think that's like a big part of it. Cause you're kind of exposed, right? Yeah. You're completely exposed. It's not only like a sense of, I think it's like elementary to say that it's only vul being vulnerable, but you are like, you know, all of our, all of your bad habits. It's like, it's like moving in with a partner for the first time. You're like, Oh shit, I should yeah. not maybe lick the bowl after I finish. This, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Not that I do that, yeah. but you know what I mean? Like yeah. there's, there's, there's all these weird quirks that you, that come out when you're on tour um, and lack of sleep is such a gigantic thing 
that's a part of it. I mean, there's so many things that are, are obviously negative and also incredibly positive about the act of touring. But I love that, I love that you said that, you know, just knowing each other's boundary is really important because most people are like, oh, yeah, you have the best job in the world. I'm sure it's fine. You know, I'm sure you I'm sure you are just <laughs> yeah. whining, but it, it's really yeah. challenging sometimes. That's a big thing is like a lot of people. I mean, it's maybe I'm projecting, but I feel like a lot of people presume that we have no reason to complain. <laughs> right. uh, and I, I, I feel like that's partly true, um, but also like, like any job that you really care about, there's going to be something that rubs you a certain way. Yeah, um, I mean, this, so. is, this has been... Uh, I've had a lot of jobs, like good jobs and fucking terrible jobs. Yeah. And uh, this job is the best one, but it's also hands down 100% the hardest one. Yeah, of so, course. Yeah. Well, it's because it's so centered to what you, your passion. It's so centered. It's, it's, it's like one of those like alien life forms that have connected to you, you know, not that music is an yeah. alien life form, but um, you know, it's something that's so, it's not separate to you. Sometimes when you're working in a job, that is a is somebody else's agenda. You approach it differently. So the fact that you're actually doing something that you you live and breathe it, of course, it's going to be the hardest job in the world as well. You can't leave your work at work with this yeah. job. It's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh! That's, yes. That's the nature of it. Yes, I totally hear you. I didn't actually think of it like that. So then, when you when you're all like, what is then the best? part of of experiencing a tour that is a, a, a one of those grueling tours where i'm sure you've had them where you haven't gone home in weeks you you haven't washed any of your clothes you're just turning things inside out <laughs> shit is you know you're just tired have you been on tour before no because <laughs> no. it's that like <laughs> you're you're talking about it like you have done it. Which um, that's I haven't. Exactly... I've been a journalist on a tour with a band yeah, that I was okay. covering. I've been, okay. obviously, this is my life talking about it, but I certainly, like, yeah. do not have an inside attack. Thank God. I would be a fucking Cause, awful cause touring person. <laughs> you're, just, you're describing my current state of being. Oh, no. It's like nothing is washed. <laughs> like, um, I don't know. Like, I, for me, it was, I think, like, even in the thick of like being miserable or tired or like homesick, sometimes there's a night that hits you unexpectedly where like the show, at least from like a feeling perspective between the band members is perfect. Mm. Not necessarily like we play perfectly or the audience is perfect, but sometimes there's just like that show where everybody is on the same page with how good it was or how good it felt to play it. And that's like the, it's like uh, chasing that dragon almost is what I, is what I'm after. Mm. Uh, I'm sure it's, it's different for everybody. I personally find touring very tough. I really like my personal space. I like being alone and uh, I find it really hard, but you know, maybe not every show, but I would say, nine out of ten shows betting that hour on stage is just uh it's my favorite thing in the whole world mm. getting to play these songs that, that the four of us have worked so 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 hard on you know sometimes for years and and the reward is getting to see people react to them viscerally it's so rewarding um 
And, you know, no matter how shitty the day or the tour is around those shows, like that that one hour a day kind of makes it all worthwhile for me. And that obviously outweighs the uncomfortability with like how you approach touring as well, I'm sure. Because having that mm-hmm. hour versus the 12 hours of like, why am I doing this is is of course <laughs> I can imagine much more rewarding. Yeah. But, it, it, you know, that's not, it sounds simple saying it out loud, but it's not, not everybody feels that way, you know? And I kind of love that I'm speaking to both of you at the same time because you both have such different um, approaches towards that and feelings towards touring. And it's such a great way to get, like, I almost feel a bit greedy getting all of this insight, <laughs> you know, because I feel like within that, in that, in that microcosm, you know, it, it's, each person is completely different and I'm sure tomorrow will be a totally different show or, you know, you'll feel totally differently toward it. But what do you then do to make sure that this is the healthiest thing possible? You know, like Stefan, when you're not feeling comfy and you want to be alone, what do you do to kind of give yourself that back back push, you know, toward, okay, I'm going to do this today. As much as possible, I leave. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But also, you know, like, we all, like Zach was saying, we all know each other, like, I think it's pretty clear for the other guys when I just don't feel like talking or hanging and they don't push the fact. And everybody in the band has, you know, something akin to that, um, where it's just like, it's tough for all of us in different ways and it's great for all of us in different ways. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day though, we're a team and we're all in it together and we all want, all four of us want the exact same thing out of this experience. So uh, it's easy to lose sight of that briefly, but we're pretty good at leveling out and realizing the fact that we're all in it for the same reason. What is that reason? Shit, I don't know if I can verbalize it. Zach, do you want to take this No, I mean, honestly, <laughs> this show is so casual, as you can hear. It's like, I don't ever ask anything in, in... I don't know what the answer is. I'm just curious to know because it sounds like it is the thing that really connects all of you. You know, you're on... When you say you're on the page artistically, it's so hard to describe that. I mean, I, I, would, I would say it's an obsession with creating something yes. and as long as that's the focus I think it's it's hard to lose sight of like the it's it's just like it's hard to lose sight of our needs to do it despite how hard a given tour might be we're just so in it to make stuff right and that, that compulsion like, I think, yeah the compulsion, the creative compulsion, and that's beyond just writing songs and stuff, because we, like, do zines, and, like, we all, like, like, we have people in our lives that create, that we like to connect with, like, like, Stefan's uh, partner, Amanda, is, like, an incredible photographer, and mm-hmm. that's, like, being involved with that is awesome, and just, like, we have so many awesome artists in our, in our, like, world that, like, we've connected with and made friends with, so it's, like, we're it's just like the obsession with um, creating something, I think, is the biggest driving force. Did, do you think he did a good job, Stefan, <laughs> of describing <laughs> your feelings? <laughs> yeah, I, I would say that it's, uh, it's, that's pretty bang on, pretty accurate. <laughs> and, you know, we do, have a, we do have a realization, like, how lucky we are 
to get to do this as a living. Like we don't right. go home and like we used to, but we don't have to go home and work at coffee shops or do right. anything. We just go home and write music and make zines and make music videos. It's like that's that's it. T- it wasn't easy to get to this level. We worked very hard and we still work very hard, but we completely realized how insanely lucky we are to get to do this as our job you know well i don't know i think hard work and talent are very different to luck i definitely think you've put yourselves in a position where you've pushed yourselves to make the type of music you're making and to you know really harness this fan base that loves you that's a lot of work i don't know how i mean maybe it's luck, but i think it's mostly talent and hard work in this case um but it's it, it, it's 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 complex, yeah. But so well, thank you. That's nice yeah. of you to say. <laughs> I mean, you have to acknowledge it. I know it's hard to do because then you sound like a fucking arsehole. But the truth is, is that you know, <laughs> there's a lot of hard work that goes into being a touring band. It's very different to being a band who tours occasionally. But you are a touring band, you know. Um, it's mm-hmm. a it's a very different it's a very different mode of being as an artist. So. Uh, I think we'd all scene. agree. I think we'd all agree. Like, definitely hard work. Uh, there's a little bit of luck in there, also. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And the talent, not so much. I mean, I think like, <laughs> I think like, hard, you know, we've worked hard to to competently do what we do. Right. <laughs> Work incredibly hard. So, yes. Uh, we can all agree to that. But um, no, none of us. I don't think any of us were born with any sort of, like I not, uh, music did not come naturally to me. So yes, that's so interesting. <laughs> push through all the bullshit. Yeah, I didn't know that. And you would never tell from your performances and seeing you live or listening to your shows, you would never think that, which is, I guess, the the beauty of, of what you do. I'd love to talk a little bit about Morbid stuff. Obviously, the album, as I mentioned earlier, is only about a month old. What are we on now? Ninth? Yeah, so about a month and a bit old. Are there certain things about the process of making that album or even just starting to perform it that you were really surprised to learn? Or maybe things that you wish someone, I don't know, if I can phrase this properly, maybe somebody would have told you when you were younger, so both of you, you know playing piano you wish somebody would have told you something when you were younger and how that reflects now i, I may get a little philosophical here right now i mean um, I'm, I'm i'm into it clearly yeah kind of like finding a i definitely with this record found that there's a, a middle way to creation where like it's basically hyper intention is the is the enemy of intention right and in that it's, it brings about the opposite of what you want. Um, and just like, it's like, which is like an overcomplicated way of saying you're trying too hard. Um, and it's <laughs> yeah. like, you kind of have to go, go for what's, what's natural. And I, I felt like in previous, not just in this band, but other bands, um, I've, I've put, applied too much pressure to the creative process mm. and, it made me worse at being a musician. And I found this record was the culmination of that experience and that I was able to kind of navigate a middle way and just be better at creating by not 
applying that same amount of pressure to invoke the old kind of jazz adage mm-hmm. you like you learn all these lessons and then in playing you forget them because they'll just kind of stand in your way be yeah absolutely be in your way yeah was there a show that stands out for both of you maybe there's different shows because everybody has a different experience but was there a show where like something went completely wrong but you managed to get it back going or a show obviously that was just the best show you've ever played I mean, yeah, there's been a million terrible shows and a million great shows at this point. But uh, to pull one example, you know, like we were playing at a festival at uh, probably at the time the biggest crowd we've ever played to. Uh, And we we have a song on the second record called DVP, which was probably the most popular song on that record. Mm -hmm. And we were about to play live uh, for the first time no one knew it and we were going to start our set with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'd also just decided to start changing the tunings of our guitars <laughs> at, at that show. And okay. we, we were all tuned to different keys. <laughs> and so it was the very first song of the set. And we walked on and we just, we're like, this is a brand new song. You're going to love it. And then it was just awful. Like, just disaster in front, of, in front of thousands and thousands of people uh and uh i'm sorry about, i'm giggling uh, that's so insensitive yeah, it was, yeah. no well, that was how we that was how we dealt with it you just have yes. to like kind of laugh at how ridiculous it is and get on with it i mean just no I mean, that, <laughs> that show i was that was like i mean i've told people this before but that particular show I had like my life was ruined for the next year because I was like, <laughs> I was, I was still, so that show, I was still high from, I took like some C, uh, some THC pills the night before. Okay. Um, and I was, it just like made me insane. So I just had like a 45 minute long, uh, panic attack on stage, Yeah. which okay. led to a, a year, a year of severe and painful in, introspection. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Where was but, the show? What so festival I, was it at? Uh, v Festival. Oh, okay. In, in the UK, yeah. Uh, no, 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 in, um, in Florida. It's called, oh. the, it's called the Fest. Yeah, the Fest, yeah. Okay. Um, when did that happen? When did so that happen? That's amazing. <laughs> so that was like three years ago. existential yeah. dread for one year after, after the show, yeah. after the performance. Yep. I mean, great. Yeah, that that sounds wonderful. Fun. I'm so glad you went yeah. through that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that definitely does. It sticks with you, you know, because you, you, you have no idea. But I love that you, you have a, you know, obviously looking back on things is so much easier than, than uh, going through them. Um, but it's great that you, you have that memory. What did the crowd do? Were they like, were they throwing things? No, I'm sure they didn't do that. Actually, I think it was on... It was on, was it Consequence of Sound? We got a review and it was like one of the best reviews we've gotten oh. for a live show. <laughs> <laughs> and like, they must, they must not have been watching the they same might... show we were performing. Because, oh, that's <laughs> so good. Uh, oh my God. I wish I knew and, who the reviewer yeah. was. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know for sure if it was Consequence of Sound. It was, I feel like it was, but uh, yeah. it was. That's and obviously as funny. a person with like a, a mood disorder, I 
did not take any of the any of the positivity to heart. So yeah, of was, course, of course. It's just like they are just wrong. They have <laughs> no idea. <laughs> I know better than them, and I know that we suck. Yeah. So that's that's all that. This Must Be The Gig is produced by Adam Kibble and we'd like to thank Billy Yost and The Kickback for our theme song, Rube, and buy their music at thekickbackband.com, Daniel Brater and Dean Berger for the additional sound design, and The Consequence Podcast Network, where you'll find a bunch of other amazing shows. listened this far why not go the extra mile and leave us a review on apple podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts your comments provide valuable feedback for us and it helps other people find us too for information on new episodes be sure to follow us on facebook twitter or instagram at tmbtgpod and generally just irritate everyone you know about the show thanks again and i miss you already Consequence Podcast Network.